So today, I'm actually going to talk about a topic that you're going to look at me and be like, really? So I'm going to talk about what is church. And, uh, you know, it's like, come on, man, the audacity of this one <laughs> to, come, to come into a church and uh, speak about church. But um, so one thing I've been realizing is that the church, as we know it, might not fully grasp the concept of church. Um, and so let me, you know, let me go through it. And I don't know if you, there's anyone here that doesn't like the Bible, but unfortunately, this one's going to have a lot of Bible involved. I'm not going to like read, 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 but I will give you a lot of references because I don't want to be, you know, pretty much accused of like just like making up whatever. Um, I want you guys to be able to see where it came from. Um, but before that, Pastor, thank you so much for even allowing us. The, the crazy thing is like Pastor didn't even ask us what we're going to speak about. And honestly, for a shepherd, that, that's a huge amount of trust that I don't take lightly. Um, and yeah, if you let me down. Please feel free to correct me as needed. <laughs> I mean, if I let you down, sorry. Um, but yeah, also just thanks for having us back. I think we were here like a year ago or something like that. And yeah, it's good to be back. Brian lives in New York right now. So he just flew in uh, just for this. Um, my wife and myself, we live in uh, Houston. So we're all just like coming together just for this. Um, okay, so let's start with the church. So um, the word church, the actual, do you guys know what the actual Greek word for church is? Probably heard it. It's called ecclesia. Um, put her up there. So the word ecclesia actually means pretty much to be called out for a purpose into a gathering. It's gathering for a purpose is basically what it means. And many times in the Bible, we'll, we'll see it used in the way that we would know as a bunch of believers coming together. But I want to turn your attention to Acts chapter 19 verse from verse, and I'll read it. You guys don't have to turn there. Acts 19 from verse 24 to 32, and I'll read it. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together along with the workers in related trades and said, You know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. As you can see, and, and you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus, and practically the whole province of Asia, he's saying that gods made by human hands are not gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess um, Artemis will be discredited, and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. So when they heard this, they were furious, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians, Soon the whole city was in an uproar. I actually think this is one. The, the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus. Okay, um, it doesn't matter. You guys aren't reading with me. So uh, Paul, some of these names get so embarrassing. Um, Paul, so these two guys, they, they pretty much grabbed these two guys that were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. And all of them, all the people, rushed into the theater together. Paul wanted to appear before this crowd, but the disciples wouldn't let him. And even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into this theater. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most people did not even know why they were there. Okay, this is the story. Did you guys catch the word church in there? 
believe it or not, in that passage, there was a word ecclesia. So I'll read it. The, Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was in confusion. I'm not trying to drop the mic right here. I'm uh, just drinking water. <laughs> the word assembly is actually the same word ecclesia. So my point here is it's not actually a religious spiritual word. The word ecclesia, the word church just by itself, just in the Bible as I just read, is not a, like a spiritual thing. If anything, it's actually more of a political thing. All that to say, so it, it's pretty much like saying, let's say, um, I don't know if the sign is back here, but let's say, can you guys see this back there? Can you guys read what it says? Okay, so let's say this is Grace Place and these are the people, just representation, these are the people in Grace Place, right? And so let's just divide up this two, just, I just didn't have enough like board, so let's say the, this, these three people are like the people sitting in a movie theater, and let's say the last one is these few people in an HOA meeting. <laughs> All right, HOA stands for Homeowners Association. For those of us that don't have homes, I have a nail here that really helps. All right. Okay, so now we have a few people in the HOA meeting, a few people. So guys, believe it or not, since they're all technically gathered together for a purpose, what are these? They're actually, technically, they're churches. Technically. Here's the thing, though. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, again, you guys don't have to turn, but I would encourage you, if you can, just write it on your phones or whatever. There's going to be a lot. And some of these are pretty, like, like you really want to study these if, if you can. But this one is Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So if Jesus is saying, hey, yeah, I know these are all churches, but I also have a church. If Jesus is saying, I have a church too, we should probably define what is the church of Jesus then. I, I know a lot of you guys think, well, it's obviously Grace Place. And yes, it might be true, but it might not. I know that's a bold statement, but hear me out. And I want you guys to decide that for yourselves. To understand what the church, the ecclesia, the gathering of Jesus is, we really have to understand this concept called an actual disciple of Jesus. I just say a true disciple. An actual Christian. Because the word disciple, it just means learner, like a student. And so the whole point of the student is to become like the master. So uh, the teacher, yeah. So if we're going to look like him, I mean, the, basically the end goal is always just to look like him. So I'm going to list you 10 things. There, I, I think my wife said there's like probably like 150 in the Bible, and Pastor Alan, you know, of characteristics of Jesus that we should probably try to emulate, or like the Holy Spirit will be working on each of us trying to get us there. But today I'm just picking on 10 things. Characteristics of a disciple of Jesus or an actual Christian. So these are the 10 things that ideally I would want you guys to just write down and look into it for yourself. The first thing, and um, um, 
Daniel, you can put these up as I go. Um, so, so the first thing, this is not like one verse. This is the entire Bible or the entire life of Jesus. Through Jesus' life, there was top priority given to God. I mean, out of all things, he would do full days of ministry, and we would think, oh, I mean, he's doing so much. No, like, even after all that, he would go into his secret place in the middle of the night. He's exhausted, but he would still go. His top priority above everything was, like, God the Father, his relationship with God the Father. That is, I mean, all these are pretty, like, serious stuff, but, I mean, that's, that's a big thing right there. Number two, true disciples goes true disciples go the extra mile to hear or understand from God. And the verse that I want to just point out with this would be Matthew chapter 13 verse 36. Um, he just finished like teaching a crowd. It would be like Pastor Allen just like teaching us. He just finished teaching a crowd. He was just sharing all these parables and then he's like, "All right guys, you know, meeting's over." He left and then he left the crowd, okay? So here's the crowd. He left the crowd. He goes into his house. The disciples come after him and be like, Jesus, I actually didn't get that. Can you actually explain that? So that's the difference between the crowd and the true disciple. The crowd is like, oh, that was great entertainment. It was another good TED talk. <laughs> but the difference between the actual disciple is like, it's like no, 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 it was a great talk. I didn't get it. Jesus is like, can you explain that again? Okay, so one big thing is just to go the extra mile to make sure you hear and understand from God. Yes. The third thing, true disciples, remember there's ten things, true disciples value God over the earthly stuff we have. Two verses for this. Luke 14, verse 33. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have, and I quote this, can't be my disciple. You can't. What's he saying? He's not saying like literally like give everything. What he's saying is if you're holding on to anything that you're like, mm, this I can't let go of. If God has made, no, nah, no, nah, that I can't do. Well, then you pretty much made yourself an idol. So you would really want to analyze. It's going to be different for all of us, you know. You'd really want to analyze what is that thing for you that you're just struggling with to let go that you value more than God. Another verse that Jesus uses just to illustrate this is Matthew chapter 19, verse 24. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, he's basically saying he can't, um, than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Again, he's not saying you can't be rich because rich is a relative term. But what he's saying is if you're holding on to things too tightly, you, you're, not, you're not a disciple. You're not an actual Christian. He's not saying you'll never be there. Or you can't be there, of course you can. But at the moment, you know, you got you to put that aside. Number four. You guys following me so far, by the way? Okay. All right. Number four. True disciples simply obey God. <laughs> I mean, it's simple. Um, but there are two verses that I want to give you on this. One is Luke chapter 8, verse 20. Um, it says, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. <coughs> So he's basically saying, my actual family is, the crazy part was, he actually said this in front of his biological like, family. He said, no, my actual family is the guys who actually like, do what I say. Um, but the second story, which I think is just funny, um, Mark 11, 
verse 2 and 3. It's a story of the disciples untying the donkey when Jesus needed it. The verse says, um, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. Watch, watch this order. Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt there. Remember the order. Go to the village, you'll find the donkey, which no one has ever ridden. Third thing, untie it, bring it here. Fourth thing, okay, if anyone asks why you need it, then explain. If it was me, and you guys maybe, I would first go there, I would see the big guy right next to the donkey, I beg, all right, before I just steal your donkey, let me just explain, all right, it's not what it looks like, right? We would be like, let me explain first. The disciples did exactly what Jesus said. They untied the donkey. <laughs> and then when the guy asked, he's like, no, 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 the master needs it. It's like excellent obedience. Fifth thing, true disciples are focused on being disciples. This is their thing. This is what they like. And Two verses on this. Luke 9, verse 62, Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for my service, fit for service in my kingdom. If you're, if you're not, as you read the Gospels, you, you'll see this pattern just over and over. Jesus is pretty much like, like an army commander. I mean, he's like, if you're going to be in, the last thing I want is for you to come in or say you're in and then be on your phone the whole time. Like, it, we're an army. we got to fight. If you're, there's a whole thing behind this, but like, Jesus, if you put your hand to the plow, you're not actually fit yet. Again, not saying that we can't ever be fit, but you're at, currently, in your current state, you're not fit. 2 Timothy 2, verse 4, it says, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Sixth thing. True disciples cannot serve two masters. Here we go. Luke 16, verse 13, it says, No servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be de devoted to the one and despise the other. In this example, he says, You can't serve God and money. We could actually sub many things into money. It might not be money for a lot of us. It might just be comfort. It might be safety, security in the Western culture. Right? I grew up in this my entire life. Like, there's, that's a lot of the things that, you know, a lot of our decisions are based out of. It's not always, is that what you told me to do, God? And so really, we have to analyze for ourselves, what are my masters in life? What is the one actually dictating my life? Because you can only have one master. All right, the seventh thing. True disciples... A true disciple denies themselves to the point of death for the sake of God and his kingdom. So Luke 14, verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me again can't be my disciple. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's basically the idea of like to the point of death, Jesus is saying like if you care about anything else, even your own life and like your agendas, you're missing the point. Jesus, again, asking for an all-in lifestyle, all for him. I know this whole thing sounds pretty, like, well, depressing. It gets better. Um, true the eighth thing, true disciple loves God. Oh, it actually gets worse before it gets better. True disciple loves God over family. 
Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, what we just said, he can't be my disciple. Like Jesus keeps going over this, hey, man, you can't be a Christian unless you're doing this. You can't be, like it's, it's black and white. Now, what does this verse mean? I, I have a three-year-old and an eight-month-old. Like I'm supposed to hate them? No, like what, you know, what it means is relative to how much you love God, your love for these guys just looks like you hate them. Now, what, what he's saying is, unless that's the case, unless you actually love God so much that it looks, you know, as per Jesus, you can't be his disciple. Jesus, number nine, Jesus' greatest commandment. True disciples genuinely love God. Um, this goes back to the first thing we were saying, how he was always so devoted to his relationship with God. Matthew chapter 27, verse, sorry, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all, all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That pretty much leaves room for not much else. <laughs> all right, and the last thing. And I put the last thing here because it's probably the most practical way to allow us to become true disciples. Um, true disciples place a critical importance on the word of God. Like, and I specifically use the word critical. It is vital. It's not just a heavy, it's like, it's a must. Three verses for this. Uh, the first in Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, guys, if we're going to say we're on this path to follow Jesus and we don't have a light, <laughs> To light that path, how close do you think you're going to be on track you know, with that path? The word is the actual light. Also, if we're going to try to be like Christ, check this verse out. 2 Timothy verse, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Again, if we're trying to look like Christ, according to this, Scripture is what's going to be the thing that is chiseling with the power of the Holy Spirit, chiseling off the things in you that don't look like Jesus. So, Scripture, again, is extremely, extremely important. And the last verse for this, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus compares the, the Scripture as critical, as vital as us eating. That's a big deal. That's a very daily commitment there then. So everything that I just said is, let's say that is an idea of, here we go. That is the idea of a true disciple. So the thing with this, I know a lot of lot of this is, um, it sounds hard. I don't know if any of you guys can relate. I remember when I first like studied this and I was like, I was like, my life is not that at all. And I, was, I, you know, that's my brother right there. We grew up in a pastor's home all our lives. So we've got churched, you know, like <laughs> three days out of every week, the fasting prayer that no one shows up to, we were there, you know, like we've been through it all. But 
I still realize I'm not an actual disciple. Yeah, I said the Lord's, you know, sinner's prayer. I've been to, but that still doesn't mean I like this kind of commitment. This is another level. But when I actually read the word, I was like, this is what it says. <laughs> I don't know how much I can argue. And I just felt so convicted. And I told my wife, like, Jules, like, we got we to gotta change our whole, like, outlook on life. It was always just like, you know, we do our life, we do our lives, and then, like, sure, we have to do this, too. This, I realized, this has to be the full-time gig, and then, sure, we can work so we can actually live, so we can do this. It, it was like a whole different, like, lifestyle change. And so, you're, you know, you're probably saying that it's a really hard path, but funny thing is that's exactly what Jesus said. He said the path is narrow <laughs> and the gate is small that leads to life. Now the funny thing is that word narrow in the Greek actually means constricting, like, like, a, um, like what they use for the wine press. It means agonizing. Jesus calls this path a narrow, agonizing path. <laughs> So it's not a surprise that it, it sounds hard. That, that, that's what he promised. He didn't promise like a smooth like ride. He promised a, a really good destination. The beauty of this is that he left the Holy Spirit with us. And so while we're, none of us are going to have this whole list down, right? But the beauty of this is he's not looking for that. What he's actually looking for is are you striving? for this. That's the actual key. The disciple is not characterized, or the actual Christian is not characterized, oh, how many of those have you checked off? The actual, actual Christian is characterized by, characterized by how much are you striving to be on this path, to look like Jesus, to allow the Holy Spirit to actually like take out all that stuff that doesn't look like Jesus. It's basically a question, are you trying or are you not trying? Are you just kind of living your life just like for what I want, you know, for my own stuff? Or actually, actually like just surrender it all to like, Holy Spirit, whatever this day looks like is, is yours. Like you do what you want. For as long as I'm alive, just have your way with this life. That's a different ballgame. This tape, so again, we said these green tapes represent the people of Grace Place, right? Green tape over here represent the people at the movie theater, people at the HOA meeting. You guys see this? Let's just say this represents a true disciple. One who's actually striving to be on that path. Why is there really two people at this HOA meeting, Brian? <laughs> Which community do you live in? Oh, one of them fell. Oh. We'll remember you. This was the guy that never painted his fence. <laughs> All right, so guys, by, so this, this guy right here, let's just call him John. By, John by himself, he is fully devoted to just following God. I mean, he wakes up in the morning, he's like, I'm struggling with this, but Lord, with your power, you know, like, it's just, 
he's fully, that whole list, he's like, man, I love my daughter, but God, I know he's yours, help me to, you know, like, he's always just trying to make sure God is first. This is a true disciple right here. And there's another true disciple. Let's call her Mary, okay? So we have Mary and John right there. And then here at the movie theater, there's another true disciple. Here. Another, so guys, while we're calling, you know, this our church, or like we're calling, you know, other churches in Austin, let's say our churches, Jesus is standing back here, and he's like, well, I see my church. It's when that guy and that guy meet up. It's when that guy and that guy meet up. In his eyes, there's no actual earthly boundary. I'm glad you're saying that because you can actually see it. Like it, it. In his eyes, it's like, that's one of my brothers who does the will of my father. This is another one. Guys, like, I don't care how you guys do, just meet up. <laughs> Connect. Because my hand by itself is pretty useless without the rest of my body. The actual body. <laughs> so, again, I know there's people in different places here, you know, all different walks of um, our faith. But if you, one, if you haven't, if you're just kind of exploring Christianity as we know it, just read the Bible. <laughs> you know, read the Bible. I mean, it, what we get um, outside of the Bible might not be, it will never be as good as the Holy Spirit himself teaching us. Read the Bible. You're getting the source. You can't go wrong like that. And then if you, you know, get convicted by the Holy Spirit and, you know, want to go down this path, Trust me, it's a beautiful reward, um, even on this planet, but it's obviously after. Um, but for, all, for the people that are, which is probably the most of us, have been on this journey, you know, of just, you know, Christians, um, I would really challenge you guys to look again into your walk. Line it up with Scripture. Like, is my, am I, you know, actually in line with what Jesus said is a disciple? And I know, I mean, even from just knowing Alan, like, the way he leads us, and I would love to basically meet as much of you guys as possible. I know, like, you know, they, you guys do all kinds of things, and I, w you know, I wish I was here in Austin, actually, uh, to be a part of it. But I want you guys to really focus on being an actual disciple of Jesus, whether it's through the avenue of Grace Place, or just by yourself. I mean, the whole point of this organization being here is, is to really like help you along your journey. You can't treat this as your, you know, they're going to be the ones pulling me the whole way. No. The, the sheep eat their own grass. The shepherd brings them, <laughs> or helps them, or like wards off the other guys that are, but the sheep is the one eating the grass. Let Grace Place, you know, let, let this be a supplement to your own intimate walk with the Lord. And, you know, as you guys become and already are, like, you know, I have no reference here, but like true disciples, you know, the, the pink guys, as we are striving to be on that journey, then connect. Connect, I'm telling you. There is tremendous power. Like, all the things we read about in, like, the book of Acts, like, the first, 
we read that and we're like, dude, that's radical. Actually, I had an experience like two weekends ago when I was in a room of like guys that I was like, dude, these guys don't care about anything else. Like literally, you know, don't care about all like professionals, like full on, but they didn't care about anything. And I was blown away at just like the love that they had for each other. Like they were willing to do whatever <laughs> for each other because they all saw the same vision of like just Jesus, whatever you, like all you. <laughs> like it was nothing of themselves. It was beautiful. So I would challenge you guys, you know, go on the journey, become a true disciple. Um, we're going to be striving to be an actual disciple for the rest of our lives, okay? You know, there's no end goal. Uh, there's no end. Um, but yeah, definitely connect with each other. Jesus wants that. He wants us to connect because it's a whole iron sharpening iron thing. Um, the more we hang out with each other, the more we grow, the more we encourage each other, we push each other, uh, we love each other, we help each other out. Um, and the cool thing is when the disciples in the book of Acts, when they actually hang out, oh, when they hung out, that's when the world actually flipped upside down. <laughs> Just 12 of those guys and, you know, grew to more. But that's when they, like, changed the world. Actual disciples of Jesus. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I think we're redoing it. I think, yeah, Jeff is going to come up. And, but, yeah, guys, thanks again for having us. <laughs>